Uh, one of my favorite bands, uh, it's a band by the name of Young Oceans. I actually, I think I put that in that list that I sent out to you guys a, a couple weeks ago. But this band, Young Oceans, actually, they were number three on my Spotify Unwrapped. Did anyone else get their Spotify Unwrapped this year? Okay, my kids, I guess. Great. Um, but they were number three on my Spotify Unwrapped list. Uh, and, and they're one of my favorite bands. And they dropped a new single last week that just happens to borrow language from the same Advent text that I was already in the middle of writing this sermon for. This is the second verse from the song Heaven All Around by Young Oceans, if you want to listen to it afterwards. Uh, This artist writes, he says, All that I once knew is churning, is healing, and unfolding. King of this whole life, voice beyond all time, says it is finished, and every word rings true. These are beautiful words, yeah? Especially in a time such as this. As you can tell, the artist is longing, and if you listen to more of the song, he's longing for this new heavens and the new earth to be fully unveiled before his human eyes. Fully realized, as is already being ushered in by Christ. Because as Christ says, right from the cross, it is finished. And I truly believe that we see glimpses of this shalom. Shalom just being perfect peace, the final restoration. I I think we see and we catch glimpses of this in, 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 in life, yeah? Through our glorification of God or our love for one another. But we also see unveiled for us this beautiful picture of reality in John of Patmos' writings in the book that we call, that we've named Revelation. It's an often read book during this season of of Advent, and it makes sense. There's a lot of metaphorical language of, of tears being wiped away, death being no more, mourning, crying, and pain all gone. And so let's pray, and then we're going to dig into uh, a a, a couple verses in Revelation chapter 21 this morning. Heavenly Father, Son, Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, we bring our full selves before you this morning. As we anticipate Christmas morning, as we anticipate your coming, as we anticipate the end of a pandemic and, 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 and new horizons in 2021, hopefully. God, we just ask and we bring ourselves fully before you this morning, at the foot of your cross, at your feet, so that way with new ears and new hearts and new minds and a new soul, we may be able to engage with this beautiful world that you've given us. We pray all these things in your most holy name. Amen. All right, so if you want to join us, we are going to be in Revelation uh, chapter 21, uh, just the first six verses, few, uh, just the first uh, couple verses this morning. Um, and I'm going to be starting in, yeah, in verse, in verse 1, if you're following along. So John of Patmos writes these words. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Remember, in the book of Revelation, this is a, a vision that John of Patmos is having while on an island. Okay? He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, earth had went on their way. Apelthan went on their way, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made up like a bride dressed for her husband. 
And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, look and see, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God is now among human beings, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no longer, nor will there be mourning, anguish, crying, or pain. For the prota, those first things, have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, look and see. He says, I make panta, panta, all things new. Also he said, write this down. For these words are faithful and true. For it is done. It is finished. It has come into being. Because ego eimi, I am Yahweh, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. If you've ever spent any time in the book of Revelation, uh, you'll notice that the entire book, this entire collection of, 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 of John's vision, and especially these final two chapters of the Bible, they're a revealing of sorts. It's a pulling back of the veil, if you want to say it that way. The pulling back of something that's covered, but something that is a very present reality. Yet something that can't be seen yet in all of its beauty, at least not seen through, through human eyes. There's a dream that I consistently find myself in. I don't know if you've ever had a, a dream such as this, but, and, and, and it usually tends to be in the early hours of the morning, kind of when the kids are getting ready for school and, well, when they do have school, when, you know, and, 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 and I'm kind of like half asleep, half awake, and, and, and in my dreams, I know what's going on. I, I know that there is certain people in the room or that there's something happening and, and events that are taking place, but I never seem to be able to open my eyes in this dream, and it's always frustrating that I never can actually see, though I can feel and know what's happening. My eyes are somehow closed to actually the vision of what's happening. And, and this is kind of where John finds himself in writing this book. Only in his vision, the divine opened his eyes. The divine uncovered his eyes, removed the veil from his eyes for a moment so he could glimpse the beauty of God's reality. This is why the genre of books like Daniel and Revelation, they're classified as being apocalyptic books, <laughs> right? They're, these are called apocalyptic books. But the problem with using the word apocalypse is that in our Western, like Hollywood-obsessed culture, we tend to associate the word apocalypse with end-of-the-world movies, right? Like zombies, and uh, we even saw this movie called Songbird the other day that it takes place in 2024 when COVID-23 is not gone yet still. So, I mean, this is the kind of apocalyptic, I, I don't recommend it, it's really not a very good movie. Um, but, but, but and it, it, it's, it's half like terrifying to think it could be a possibility, but then it's really cheesy. So anyways, um, but we end up thinking of, of apocalypse as being this like end of the movie, like the world is going to blow up type of a thing. And, and, and there's even been some terrible theology that's resulted from looking at it this way, because that's what happens when we read Christ through the lens of culture rather than reading 
culture through the lens of Christ. Because apocalypse literally just means to unveil something, to reveal something that is already true. And take note of what John writes in verse 6, if, you're, if you have your Bible open. That the one who's seated on the throne, we know that to be Christ himself, right? The Look, behold, there's the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, but yet it's actually not a lion, it's a lamb. The slaughtered lamb of God. Right? What is this lamb? What does Christ himself say from the throne? He says, it is done. He says, it is finished. The word here, gegonon, the root word from genomai, literally just means it has come into being. I.e., Jesus is saying here, I've already won the victory over sin and death. Can you see it? This word in its original language brings a sense of accomplishment. Like, it is finished, it's done, in the here and now, of something that's already been done. The effects of something that's already happening and continues to happen in perpetuity. I want you to think of books like this in the Bible and verses like this as a bird's eye view of the gospel of Jesus, okay? So when you're looking at the book of Revelation, it can be kind of confusing sometimes with its metaphors and its imagery. But think of it as, as an over, like as if God is looking over the top of the world and looking at the gospel of Jesus, okay? Look at even in our readings today, right? The dwelling place of God is among human beings. How does that happen? Through the incarnation. Uh, uh, Number two, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no longer. There'll be no more mourning or anguish or pain. And he says it is finished, right? How is that possible? That's possible through Christ's crucifixion, right? Then he says, for the first things have passed away. That's ushered in by his resurrection. And the Christ is sitting on the throne. That only happens because Christ ascended back up into the heavens. That's pretty cool, right? You can read the entire gospel story in these metaphorical pictures. When I was a kid, I, in my heart of hearts, really thought that Advent was mostly about pretending Jesus wasn't born yet. Like, kind of like pretending as if he didn't exist, and we had to just leave him out of our manger scenes until the right day, and we had to put ourselves in the shoes of the Old Testament writers as they waited, just so that way Christmas morning would be more fun and more exciting. And, and, and it did work for a time, right? I mean, in the imagination of a child. But as I started to get older, I realized how short-sighted it really was, how much I was not seeing in terms of the beauty that this season really brings forth for us in our liturgical calendar. I mean, think about this with John the Baptist. He's one of the big characters in, we didn't do any readings on John the Baptist this year in Advent, but he comes up all the time in the lectionary. He's a huge figure in the season of Advent. But John the Baptist did not prepare his hearers with any warm fuzzies or any sentiments of a cute, cuddly baby. He, he wasn't, John the Baptist was not preparing people, people for Jesus' birth, simply because Jesus was already in his late 20s, early 30s, when John the Baptist was preaching these things that we read about in the season of Advent. Rather, John the Baptizer spoke first and foremost about this imminent arrival of a kingdom. The imminent arrival of God's kingdom through Christ. John the Baptist was focused on the here and the now. He was preaching repentance, imploring his hearers to change their mind, to change the ways they dealt with the world when it came to living in the immediate and, it, and, 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 and allowing the Christ to be present in their lives. Look at the things that John the Baptist says. He says salvation is at hand. It's here. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. John the Baptist is saying that this future reality that we read about in the book of Revelation, 
is at hand. And it's at hand when he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, John can make this claim because as we find out in a different part of the book of Revelation, the crucified Christ existed from the beginning. I mean, even in Revelation 3.18, we read the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. This happens because God operates outside of time and space. Think about it. If there is some sort of a divine being that holds all this together, then that divine being is going to exist outside of time and space. And it's hard for us to understand because we are limited by time and space. But divine reality doesn't wait for us to catch up. And so this mystery of time and space is slightly hidden from our eyes. It needs a bit more unveiling, and that's why we have apocalyptic books like Revelation. And this mystery also demands a final consummation, and thus that's that return of Christ that we anticipate during this season. Are you like a bit confused this morning? I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit confused, and I'm the one that's preaching this, but think about it this way. This is the best way I can kind of put it. Think about it this way. You're born into existence, right? Without any doing of your own. We all came into this world and, and, and we had nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. One day you're in the comfort of your mother's womb, probably the warmest, most amazing place to be. And then suddenly you're thrust just totally naked, in a cold room, just full of strangers staring at you and poking and prodding you with like instruments and, 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 and wanting to clean you up and all these kinds of things. And as you grow, right, and the years move on, you continue to live in a world that can feel like that room, kind of cold and bitter and broken and, and like, why am I here? I kind of like being back in the warmth. But along the way, there are glimpses, like I mentioned at the beginning of God's peace. There are glimpses along the way of, of hope, like the embrace of a, of a loved one or, or an especially good meal. Or even last night we were talking about that, the breath in our lungs when we were outside, uh, that, that chilly air that kind of comes flooding into your lungs or, or the excited feeling you get when you hear your favorite song being played. And it can be easy to get cynical and just think that these good moments, that these times of hope and peace are merely blips in an otherwise cruel and horrible life. That somehow we just have to get through life here so that we can get somewhere better later. Where then these glimpses of hope are an eternal reality. That's great, but track with me here for a moment. Track with me here for a moment. What if these glimpses of hope are in fact a very present and very real reality? What if these glimpses of hope are in fact the real thing and that all the brokenness, the pain, the suffering, and the death we experience are not the norm, they're not even the full picture, that in fact the cold and bitterness is not the way real life, but rather a life that fully trusts in the hope of Jesus Christ is real life. You see, this is the hope of the good, the new heavens and the new earth being at hand. Not just something that will someday happen, but this new heavens and this new earth is already being ushered in through Christ. 
and that through him, we're able to be transformed and move from pain and suffering into the warmth of hope and, and life. That despite all that surrounds us, all the sin that destroys, Christ is in fact restoring his cosmos as we speak. And that all these glimpses of hope are the real thing. These are the real thing. That is the way it's intended to be. It's the way the world was created to be. And that through Christ, through his death, through his resurrection, this new creation has dawned and is continuing each and every day. And joy is being washed over this fallen world. We just can't fully see it yet. There's a thin veil that's covering our eyes. That's why we call it a mystery, right? Even Paul says, I see through a glass. It's dim. But Christ will come again. And he will lift that veil once and for all. For he says, these words are faithful and true. It's done. It is finished. It's come into being because ego a me, I am. I exist. I'm here. Yahweh. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end of all things. Let's pray. Lord, you said, see, I am making all things new. We pray this morning for all those who are lonely. We hope in the promise that the home of God will be among people. That God will dwell with us. That we will be his people and that God himself will be with us. We pray for all those who are crying, the sad, the depressed, and the anxious. We hope in the promise that God will wipe every tear from our eyes. God, we pray for those who are experiencing the consequences of death, the bereaved and those who are mourning. We hope in the promise that death and mourning will be no more. God, we pray for those who are in pain, suffering from illness, either physical or mental. God, we pray there is a few families in our church who are sick whether the stomach bug or a couple families in our church who are experiencing this, this coronavirus, the, the, the COVID. And so we hope in the promise that crying and pain will be no more. We pray for those who are thirsty for truth, love, and grace, those who seek God and his life with earnest hearts. We hope in the promise that God will give water to the thirsty without cost from the spring of the water of life. Lord, your words are trustworthy and true. You are Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. And we pray all this in the powerful, hopeful name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses just as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.